you know, once you put your foot into that work environment, it's no longer about you, mm-hmm. you know, you're there for others and you're there to, I like to use the term to serve others. And, uh, that's not to say that, uh, you know, you don't take all your issues and your problems and you, you, do, you know, you bury them down mm-hmm. deep because, you know, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster, but I think it's just about time and place. And, uh, so I think the thing is, is you, you've got to have that, uh, mentality and you've got to have that that thinking that um, you know once you're in that environment you are now responsible uh for a lot more than yourself welcome to the find the gap podcast where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high performance support this will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them to progress to where they are today as well as being a safe environment which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles that they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on Finding Out Podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is a software that performance coaches all around the world are using to build programs, distribute workouts, and track athlete progress. It is the perfect fit for professional and academy teams, sports physios, gym owners, schools, and universities. The platform includes multiple max tracking methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting features. Coaches also have the access to consultation with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up for the promo code FTG to start your 30-day free trial. So my guest on the podcast today is Jazraz Sidhu. Jazz is the head of medical at Perth Glory FC in the A-League. He's had experience in his home nation of Canada as well as Australia since he's been here in 2010. So it's been interesting to see how he's progressed and how he's developed over two different countries and worked his way up the ranks uh, through the uh, different teams in the A-League and now thriving over in the WA. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Jazz. Okay, morning, Jazz. Thank you very much for jumping on uh, this episode of the Find the Gap podcast, mate. What's going on this morning? Uh, thanks for having me. First and uh, first and foremost, uh, yeah, going pretty well out here in uh, in Fremantle. Uh, nice, beautiful, crisp morning <laughs> out here on the west coast. I'm, I'm going well, thanks. Yeah, nice. And like we were just mentioning before uh, we started, uh, you've gotten used to the travel from Perth all the way around the country, and you're so. I'm not secluded over there, but you're just far away from everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody always talks about it. And obviously, having worked mainly on the East Coast over the years, uh, people always sort of talk about the uh, the West Coast travel and being a, uh, you know, localized in Perth and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, sort of experiencing it firsthand now. And uh, yeah, it's, you, definitely, uh, you definitely feel some isolation <laughs> out mm-hmm. here on the West Coast, but yeah. Uh, a beautiful place, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. You are you add up those frequent flyer points for sure, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say that's a massive advantage. <laughs> um, just to get us rolling, mate. Do you want to give me a bit of a background yourself, education? Um, yeah, how, how you led to where you are now? Just anything you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, where do I begin? Uh, so obviously, maybe notice a bit of the accent. Uh, originally from Canada, so uh, born and raised in Canada, from Toronto. Um, sort of there, sort of was involved in sport uh, at a fairly high level for a good period of time uh, in soccer uh, or football, whatever, uh, wherever in the world you are. Um, and uh, from there, sort of went into an undergrad in uh, exercise science um, in North America, sort of known as kinesiology. So did an honors degree in, uh, in exercise science over there at the University of Western Ontario. Um, from there... Uh, worked in a private clinic. Maybe it was a more of a sort of sports medicine clinic uh, based in, in Toronto for a couple of years. Uh, just really wanted to sort of get into the practical side of things, you know, you know, get the hands dirty and and sort of really experience it. So, yeah, it was it was a clinic with a multidisciplinary approach. You know, so they had uh, sports docs there, chiros, physios, um, exercise scientists, exercise physiologists, such as myself. Uh, so it sort of gave a really good scope of how the different sort of um, factions sort of worked. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, while I was there, and I was still sort of figuring out where I wanted to sort of um, take my uh, career direction. And uh, luckily had a physiotherapist working there that sort of uh, with me was holding a bit of a mentoring sort of position. Uh, and she sort of suggested Australia uh, to sort of uh, pursue my master's of physio. I was sort of tossing up between the UK and Australia at the time. And uh, so uh, she sort of convinced me. And then when I sort of had a look, I always wanted to sort of come out to Australia uh, to sort of visit. Uh, so I thought, you know what, why not take the the opportunity? Didn't really have any other life responsibilities of, you know, kids, marriage, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I just uh, applied to uh, Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Uh, didn't really know much about the Gold Coast. And once I looked into it, I'm like, yep, looks like a good place. <laughs> yeah, another bad spot for and, it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so did my master's in physiotherapy at Griffith University um, uh, for a couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, after that, the plan was uh, initially to sort of move back to, to Canada, but uh, fell into a really good uh uh, job straight out of uni at a uh, sports medicine clinic uh, with a former physio uh, of the Socceroos and sort of spent a couple of years there, uh, which was phenomenal for learning with the clientele that we had. Um, and yeah, so after that, uh, transitioned into a few different areas of physiotherapy, sort of worked in aged care for a while, worked in brain injury for a couple of years. Uh, before ultimately returning back to uh, private practice um, and and working with a sports clientele. Um, And yeah, sort of, and then sort of the story continued. Uh, I always sort of wanted to get back into, you know, the footballing environments. And so from there, uh, worked at Brisbane Roar for, uh, for five years from 2017, sort of worked my way through the, from the youth to the, uh, to the women's, to, to the men's side. And uh, which has led me to, to sort of where I am today uh, as the, the head of medical at Perth Glory uh, Football Club. Yeah, geez, it's a big stuff. It's a big journey. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's we had some twists and turns. Mm. What um what what do you like outside of uh, outside of um, your role at the moment? Like what what's hobbies? Like who are you outside of your job? Yeah, look. Uh, I definitely, I'd say, have have two sort of different personalities. Uh, I definitely very much have a, have a work personality, um, and then I have sort of a home personality. It's um, it's definitely important in in my sort of role where you can have that sort of transition of, of sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I do like to bring in sort of the, the lighter side uh, into into the work environment as well. And I just think that helps a lot with sort of um, relating to players and, and to staff. And but uh, I'd say outside of work, you know, uh, you know, I like to sort of just, you know, kick back, relax, you know, enjoy my activities and hobbies, you know, massively into training and cycling and tennis um, and, and things like that. So uh, I wouldn't say the personalities are too dissimilar. Uh, there is some crossover. But I definitely say there's um, there's a more sort of laid back side um, outside of the, the the work the work environment. At least yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your way of switching off, you you got a very similar way of, you know, who your personality is outside of work to just switch off. Is is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you have to. I mean, it's mm-hmm. obviously it's um, you know working in uh, in the professional environment in sport, you know, high stress, high demands. Um, long days, long hours. Um, so, you know, it's, it's absolutely essential and vital um, that you do find that time for yourself outside of it. Um, because I've sort of experienced it early on in my career in the environment. Um, it can become all consuming. It can sort of take over and, and you don't sort of realize it, it can uh, creep up on you. So it's, it's absolutely essential and something that you actually have to learn to find those healthy boundaries between, um, you know, the professional and the personal life. And saying that it has such these heavy demands on you, both physically and mentally, like how how do you, or did you always see yourself in this role or wanting this kind of a role? Yeah, look, I, I think um, from when I was young, obviously playing, having played football at a relatively, uh, relatively high level back in Canada, um, you know, I sort of came to uh, to a fork in the road where I ultimately had to decide whether that was something I was going to continue with 
or it was going to be more sort of going down the the academic pathway. And uh, so I chose to go more down the academic pathway. And, and for me, it's always a case of I always wanted to return to the environment. Um, I knew I wouldn't make it as a, as a professional athlete in the environment, but uh, as a practitioner, it was definitely a massive goal of mine. And so in 2017, when I sort of achieved that uh, with the Brisbane Roar Football Club, um, it was actually one of those surreal moments um, that you sort of realized, like all those years that you sort of put in uh, to achieve that, you know, sort of chipping away and, you know, pardon my language, but shoveling the shit. Um, you know, there's ultimately a, a payoff. And look, sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen. You know, the, if you go in with that expectation that, you know, this has to happen and if it doesn't happen, you know, it's it's all for naught. No, you, you know, you've got to go in there with the mindset that, you know, I want to achieve this goal and, and you've got to do all the little things. And um, ultimately, the mindset that I had going into that was, you know what, I'll put in my 110%. Uh, I'll do everything that I need to do. But at the same time, if that doesn't happen, you know, it won't be from a lack of trying, you know, it won't be from a lack of trying to do everything to, to realize that. So for me, when that did happen, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a uh, it was such a proud feeling, but it was also very surreal to, mm -hmm. to see that happen. Yeah. Nice. And taking back to what you said about it being such like a high demanding uh, industry and obviously having a lot of pressures on yourself being such a high demand industry. Uh, could you just describe maybe some examples of what uh, what those pressures might be, what they might look like for a role that you're currently in? Yeah, look, in my role, obviously, it's it's a case of, you know, availability and consistency, um, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to, to players, uh, injuries, <clears throat> rehabilitation. Um, it's not so much the case of players not getting injured. I mean, that's always going to happen as a part of professional sport or or any sport, no matter what level you play. Um, but the pressures are always, you know, and it'll always be from coaches, get them back as quickly as possible. And um, in my line, that's how we always operate. You know, we want to get them back as quickly as possible, but as safely as possible as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, trying to mitigate risks of injury, uh, trying to mitigate uh, risk of reoccurrences, you know, that's, that's always where the pressure lies. Um, and look, I'd be lying if I said that, uh, you know, you didn't sort of push the thresholds and push the barriers. Um, I, I always like to say in rehab, you know, we always have to mitigate risk, but we can't be risk adverse, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, you, you have to push those barriers and that's a part of the, the elite environments. But uh, I'd also be kidding if I'd say that every single time, you know, you get a player back, you're 100% sure. You know, because there's so many factors and then it's so context dependent. And, you know, as best as you can do, you, you, like I said, you're never 100 percent sure. And so the, the, the pressures in that regard are always a case of, you know, you don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to let coaches down. You don't want to let the athlete down. You don't want to let yourself down. So a lot of the pressure, you know, you might think is external, um, but in my circumstance, you know, it's always more sometimes can be more internal. The pressure you put on yourself. Um, because you learn over time with experience how to deal with those external ones. Um, so the real sort of uh, difference becomes is can you manage your own internal pressures and expectations? And I think if you can do that, the external ones become a lot easier. Yeah. And just going on that a little bit, because a lot of, well, especially in the, in the industry uh, that you're in, um, some people might, picture it as if okay there's an injury they're not getting back as quick there's someone to blame here kind of thing but no one like there's no coach saying hey or person a is to blame for this it's the person a thinking that they're to blame for it so it's that internal pressure is that kind of what you're saying yeah look it's it's you know and, and that's natural you know it, mm. it, it does tend to happen you know when things don't go to plan and look this this is a, that's an any industry it's not just in yeah in specialist sporting environment i think the important thing is is where you can sort of mitigate that is as a part of the process is is have everybody involved you know share that load you know have the conversation between yourself the departments the players the coaches so that everybody's sort of involved in that decision making process 
um, I think where you can really, you know, put yourself in a hard corner is, you know, when you sort of choose to take all that on yourself and not involve everybody in the process, uh, because then it does become a lot easier to sort of, not that I'm saying that you should ever do it, because again, it's a complex environment, very context dependent, you know, a lot of factors involved. Um, but uh, the more you can, make everybody involved in the process and how everything happens, um, the less and less you see that that sort of situation occurs, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, generally the outcomes are a lot better as well. Uh, so, you know, teamwork or working in a team environment, it's, it's, it's a great term, but understanding how that really works in the context of that environment is, is massive and really important mm. uh, for everybody's welfare and for everybody's benefit. Mm. So then, yeah. So if things go wrong, kind of, you're not just stuck in the mud by yourself. That that's exactly it. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to have a next question about how how you do handle these kind of internal uh, pressures you put on yourself. But in being in that team uh, and you being the the head of the medical, how how in um how do you lead your group? Um, and how important is it to have a strong leader? Yeah. Look, having strong leadership is massive, and uh, you know, the thing about leadership is, you know, yes, I, you could have the title of a, a head of this or a head of that. But on any given day, um, anyone can be the leader. Uh, it can be it can be a player, the oldest player or the youngest player. It can be a senior staff member. It could be a junior staff member at any point in time, given the environment and the circumstance. Um, anyone can be a leader. Mm. And uh, the difference is, you know, as a leader, sometimes there's that expectation that you need to have all the answers, you know, that mm -hmm. you need to know everything. But a good leader understands that, yeah, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. But the difference from there is if I don't know the answers, I'm going to find out, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm going to utilize the capacities of those people around me that are the best at what they do that I may not be. And how can I maximize that? So a good leader doesn't necessarily tell people what to do. He or she empowers those around them to have an ownership over what they do. And like they say, you know, good leaders create other leaders. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately sort of how I like to sort of operate. You know, I like to empower the people around me and give them that responsibility. Um, for me, you know, micromanaging my staff is something that I totally like to stay away from. Guidance is one thing, but from the aspect of micromanaging, it's, it's something that uh, has never really sat well with me because you've got to trust the people that you're around. And sometimes it's a case of just getting to know them and what to know, you know, what are they really good at? You know, what are their specialties? What are their qualities? You know, what do they like to do? And I think a lot of times as a leader, we, we just need to listen a lot more than we speak. And, you know, we hear it over and over again. You know, you've got two ears and you've got one mouth. And mm -hmm. But I, I think to actually put that into practice um, is, is a whole skill in itself. And, um, you know, the other thing that as a leader that you need to be very aware of is every day that you come in, you set the tone. You know, your energy sets the tone. And other staff members, uh, players, um, anyone that you interact with, they pick up on that. And so your energy and your tone that you come in on the day is, is, is incredibly important. And, and, you know, that can uh, have a, a ripple effect through a, through a squad um, very, very easily. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Well, what do you find that's the hardest thing about being a leader? Oh, look, it's, uh, <laughs> again, it's, it's, the, it's the pressure that you set on yourself. I, I think the thing is, is if you start identifying yourself as a leader, um, that's where you sort of really start to put that pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I think what, you know, like I said before, it's, uh, you know, when people are coming to you for the answers or you may be having, you know, yourself a terrible day, yeah, but you need to find a way to sort of bring yourself outside of that because you know that, like I said, you, your energy and your tone can have effect of, of those around you. Um, that, that can be tough. You know, that can be tough. And, and it can be very difficult for someone to say that's in a position like that, that I don't know, you know, but it's, it's, it's actually something that I feel people really respect and they, they, they really sort of resonate with. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's just about being genuine and honest. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't know, you don't. But, you know, you, you give that reassurance that, you know, I will find out. And uh, I think that's how that creates that that vulnerability uh, amongst the people that you work with in your organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think vulnerability in that kind of point uh, in, a, in a leader is so important to, to admit that you don't know everything and to admit that you don't know. Um, you might not know the answer, but to just say plainly, hey, I'm going to work with everything that I can in my capabilities with my team to find out why that's the case or what I need to do to help. Uh, or what I needed to fix that. Um, and I think that should, and they, again, like you're saying, in many other um, settings, not just in the high performance um, sporting industry, it's a given that kind of thing that should be like that. But I think it's in the sporting industry, there's so many extra, those internal as well as external demands that you say, okay, well, I don't know everything. Some people may say, well, why don't you know? That? You know, why don't you know? Which it shouldn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't be like that. But some settings are. Um, so the, the more strong team you have around and the stronger you show those leadership qualities, the better you can figure out those, uh, those, um, those little issues. So, but yeah, transitioning into my next thing I want to ask you about, uh, from your stance, from your point of view, um, what, what's the link that you, or what's, what do you believe the link is between mental health and high performance, uh, in a, in a professional sporting organization? Oh, look, I, I think it's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in in terms of performance, um, you know, there's a it's a cyclical relationship between the the mental side of things and the physical side of things, uh, amongst amongst uh, amongst other factors as well. Um, you know, we, we sort of have a saying that you know, happy off the pitch, happy on the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, and the mental side of things uh, can be the biggest difference between an individual having a good day and a bad day on the pitch and off the pitch as well. And um, that, that's exactly the same for staff as well. You know, in, in terms of performance, we always sort of relate that to sort of the sporting sporting environment. But performance can be anything. It, it can be the staff member. It can be the mom. It can be the dad. It can be the the guy running the local shop. It can be the, the Fortune 500, you know, company owner. Performance is, is all based around the ability to work at your highest level to optimize, you know, your your ability to do your job. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mental side of things behind that is, is what drives that. Um, you know, we all know that, you know, if, if we're having a if we're having a down day, how much harder things are to do, even even the most basic things. Um, so in terms of the how it impacts sort of sports performance it's huge it's huge it's it's absolutely critical as much as it is to to work on the the physical side of things which you know we we generally still in this day and age sort of really sort of focus on Mm -hmm. um the mental side of things is equally if not more important you know i've seen a lot of athletes that have phenomenal you know physical and, and technical abilities uh but it's generally the the mental side of things that actually calls them back from from reaching their their true potential mm-hmm. and and then you can have the other side of the coin you know the the athlete that maybe uh technically you know it, it isn't as gifted but is mentally so strong and robust um that they actually outperform uh, the guys that have all the the god-given talent you know for mm-hmm. lack of a better term so um yeah it, it's huge mate hmm. well i want to follow on with two questions from from what you've just said uh, first being like as a as an intervention what do you think is a good thing to um yeah as a, to, to uh, introduce to a team as a leader or putting in a leadership position as yourself to help boost that mental health or to help boost that morale in in players if you do see you know if you if it's obvious that they're they're suffering from um you know anxiety depression or some life event has happened outside of footy um you know what 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 can you do from your position yeah look look it, it is a tough one um because i think unfortunately um at least in my experience and this is all sort of context and environment dependence um i think especially particularly in the in the men's space it's it's still a bit of a stigma uh to speak openly and freely about your problems um i know myself you know i've i've had the same same issues in, in my past that that we sort of, uh, 
you know, we want to hold things in. We don't want to let people in. We don't, we don't want to open up. You know, we, we feel sometimes maybe that's a, that's a weakness, you know? And um, I think the thing is, is something that uh, we do need to recognize a lot more um, because we do see sort of the, the, the negative effects that, that it can have to, to hold on to those things. And, and sometimes like guys don't even know that uh, how good you can actually feel um once you sort of do go down that pathway mm-hmm. um now where that sort of stigma exists i believe the the best thing that we can do nowadays is sort of approach it in an informal way mm-hmm. uh and, and just just take an interest in guys you know just take an interest in their lives and, and sort of what's going on i think in a in an environment which can be very focused on you know results and numbers performance you know a lot of the tangible stuff uh we actually forget that we're we're dealing with human beings behind all of that Mm -hmm. and um you know if we if we start forgetting that if we start you know losing the humanity within it um then uh we're never really going to progress in that space Mm -hmm. and uh, i think the advantage that we have particularly in the 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 professional sporting environment and context is we spend a lot of time with these guys every single day. Now, some staff more so than others, I'd say, you know, in, in my case, definitely from the medical side of things, we, we spend uh, a lot of times with players every single day and, and we get into a lot of different sort of conversations, you know, outside of what's going on within the sporting context. So it actually provides us with a great uh, caveat to, to have those conversations mm-hmm. and, and you'd be surprised, you know, when, it, when a guy's on the table or when you're working one-on-one with a guy in rehab, um, how much they actually end up do telling you, mm-hmm. or if you are really listening, what you can actually pick up between the lines of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, you know, while you're sort of working on, let's say the physical side of things at the same time, you may be actually addressing uh, a massive mental barrier that this uh, athlete may have. That might actually be something that'll unlock um, a lot of potential in that individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think spending that time with the individual in those a table or in a rehab setting because it's just you one on one with them, and then they can, like I said, open up as much as much as uh, as they, you know, as much as they please, um, and you, it can reveal a lot. It can reveal a lot, and it can present an opportunity for you to provide that extra service of support rather than just you know, hey, rep sets or. Um, the strapping or or rehabilitation things. So I think that's overly um, missed, I think, in a lot of other settings. Um, but towards yourself is my second question on what you were mentioning before is uh, you you were talking as well about being the high energy as a leader as well. Um, how do you bounce if you have a bad day? Like if you've got a bad day, if you've got, um, if you've got a bad day, if uh, you've experienced some, you know, hardships outside of work with family or with, uh, you had a really shitty experience at the coffee shop on the way to work, whatever it might be. Like, how do you balance and bring that energy to work and to the athletes and to more importantly the rest of your team, like your um your support staff? Yeah, look, uh, I think I, the the way I probably used to deal with it when I was younger is is, is a lot different than how I sort of deal with it now. Um, I probably learned with time and and, and age. <laughs> that uh, you know not to sort of sweat the small stuff um mm-hmm. and sort of you know get get past things you know um it's uh, it's one of those things that uh like i said it's just a part of life you know we we all deal with things uh we all have things going on but i've always used to have and, and still to this day sort of hold on to the um the idea that uh you know, once you put your foot into that work environment, it's no longer about you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're there for others and you're there to, I like to use the term to serve others. Um, and uh, they're first and foremost. And uh, that's not to say that, uh, you know, you don't, you know, you, you, you take all your issues and your problems and you, you, do, you know, you bury them down mm-hmm. deep because, you know, that's a, that's a recipe for a disaster. But I think it's just about time and place. And uh, so I think the thing is, is you, you've got to have that uh, mentality and you've got to have that, that thinking that, um, you know, once you're in that environment, you are now responsible uh, for a lot more than yourself. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the way that you bring yourself and present yourself in the environment um, 
is 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 crucial to how that environment functions. Mm-hmm. Um, the the benefit of working in that environment though is is you do make good relationships with your coworkers, and um, you know you you learn to use that in a way to sort of just deal with life things, you know, and just talk about life stuff. But I always like to have um, the idea of that that separation of those things from, you know, from when you're focused on your work with athletes, where you're sort of working with them. However, in saying that, I think we've also sort of evolved, and you know, there, there's a lot of people that potentially, you know, are against the idea of of becoming, you know, too close to your athletes or sharing too much with them. Um, but the question I was asking that is, you know, there's always sort of fine lines and there's always sort of boundaries within that. But sometimes, you know, the question you need to ask yourself is, you know, how willing would you be to open up to someone if, you know, they weren't really willing to be open with you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes sort of that sort of little bit of sort of back and flow uh, that between yourself and your athlete, which actually sort of has a, a beneficial effect for, for both people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny because a, a lot of the times I'll have players ask me that they'll, they'll say, Jess, does anyone ever ask how you are? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I always find that I always find that a funny question. I, I just, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I actually don't ever really think about it um, because sort of when you're in that environment, depending on sort of your, your take on things, you never really look to, to you never look at the situation like that because mm-hmm. you're so focused on you're so focused on them and 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 you know what's going to help them and benefit them and you know improve their performance that uh, you don't really take the time to think about yourself a lot of the times mm-hmm. yeah i completely understand that i think i had a few um experiences just recently where that hit me where um i asked a few of the the, the girls where i work at the moment and i said to them like, you know yeah, you're doing checking in kind of thing and then just within an, a sentence they'd answer and then straight away say uh how are you uh, and yeah. then you'd be like, you shot back kind of thing. Like, well, A, you answered that really quickly, but B, uh, what, what me? I'll, hold on one second. Like, I've, I've got to think about that for a second. Um, but yeah. you're right. You got to, you got to think about how much you're going to share kind of thing. I, I had another question as well, based on what you answered pr- and the uh, answer previously was, um, where, where do you think that a high performance system or systems in general, not just you know you guys at Perth, but where do you think we are in terms of including that awareness of mental health within high performance? Um, so if you know, you've got, you've got your strength and conditioning, you've got your nutrition, you've got your um, uh, all other aspects, you've got your sports science kind of thing. Like where is mental health in that preparation side of things? And, or is it included as much as it needs to be? Do you think it needs to be more? Yeah, look, as a standard, um, you know, when we do sort of our sort of our medical screens at the start of the season, it's it's sort of a it's a mandatory sort of thing that we do with the with the mental health screening uh, just to sort of flag things that that may present with the with the athletes uh, to to begin with. Um, So that's sort of a start Um, in terms of sort of, you know, follow up from there. um, It's probably an area of performance that that is still well behind um sort of the other domains um and look i, I think again I, I sort of go back to uh to the point sort of i was making before is i think you know there's there's still that stigma that sort of exists uh with um with with the mental ha- mental health side of things and and sort of how much of an importance that plays within performance mm-hmm. um i don't think it's a lack of um, recognizing it and and having the conversations uh you know i think i've had you know, dozens of conversations with uh, with athletes over the years about the benefits uh, and and engaging with it, but it's um, the the difficult aspect of it is it's one of those arenas that you know you can't really force upon anyone. You know, it's got to be sort of you know full engagement from the individual themselves. So you know, you can present it, you can present the benefits and and the facts around it, but it's ultimately the individual that's got to choose to want to engage in it. Um, and I think that's sort of where the difficulty lies is that sort of first initial step. Now, in terms of sort of how do we change that and how do we evolve that and how do we sort of, you know, bridge that gap? Look, I'm sure there's a lot of codes and there's a lot of um, environments that have that have done that and are doing that really well. And, 
um, and and have had a lot of success with that. And, and that's one thing that we can do is, is sort of build off successful models that exist out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in general, I think, uh, at least within the environments that I've been in, um, it's still something that probably requires a lot more focus and attention. And I think sometimes we we generally tend to util- utilize more external individuals. And athletes, I, I think in general, like when they see – you know, the same people every single day, they build rapport, they build the trust, um, and they're sort of more willing to engage. And I think that's an area where we generally still tend to sort of externally look at professionals in the environment. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit of a a barrier to when an athlete maybe doesn't see that person every day. And so those Mm -hmm. incidental sort of interactions don't happen that may sort of open up those, those, um, you know, caveats for conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, so and and that look that that goes down sometimes to to resourcing and budgeting and, and availability of those sort yeah. of things. Um, so yeah, look, I, I'm a huge fan, and I definitely think it's got to be a bigger investment going into the future. Um, it, but uh, at the moment, it's uh, unfortunately still still a bit behind. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like do you benefit from seeing someone once every, well, let's say bi weekly or once every month compared to seeing someone every day and sharing the tiny little snippets of where you're at along the line, like how much are you going to get over a season? Um, and I think everybody, it's just amazing how different people really are. Like people will share, like certain people will share so much more in a, in a, an area where they're sitting down with the, maybe even a stranger where other people will share next to nothing, but they're forced to do it. So it's kind of finding that what works for everybody is also the next challenge too. both staff, Absolutely. both staff and players. Absolutely, and and sometimes you know it's it's a lot easier when we you know when when it's a more formal context than than mm. something that's made to feel more clinical, mm. you know. And and sometimes, like I said, it's just a case of guys will just let out more just having a chat rather than feeling like they're you know you're sitting there and being analyzed, you know, and and mm. potentially you know it's made to feel that way. Mm. Uh, so that's a lot of times you know with with what we do where you actually incidentally end up becoming a bit of a uh, a therapist as well you know mm-hmm. <laughs> as part of the environment sometimes you've just got to wear a lot of hats um you know it's yeah. it's never a case of going out of your outside your scope of practice but um you know just listening uh is is a the ability to listen is such an invaluable skill mm-hmm. now touching on what you said before about obviously listening but also about going to work and it's not about you it's all about them it's you're the you're there for the service kind of thing if you're putting on this different hat uh of like a therapist of a friend may say or someone that you can support you know how much does that load take on you like if you obviously saying within a team setting you're not going to get every player coming up with every tragedy and they're not going to take on a lot but if you're dealing with athletes who have got a lot going on and then are talking to you about it aside from your role as a for example head of medical um you know how do you kind of not let that impact you yourself yeah this that's what i was sort of alluding to when we were speaking before is is you've got to have you know healthy barriers mm-hmm. um it, it is it is incredibly easy to to take it home with you every single day and look it does tend to happen but you have to really find a way to to manage that um, because it, it can become all-consuming, and and I've had that happen to me, particularly when you're first starting out in the industry, and and you feel that you need to burn the candle at both ends, you know, twenty-four-seven. You need to always be available. You, yeah, look, you could probably do that for a period of time, um, but uh, it's a great way to burn yourself out very quickly very easily Mm -hmm. and then you know the detrimental effect of that anyways is going to be is your performance is going to suffer your service is going to suffer um you know it's it's not a a, not a good recipe for longevity in the industry Mm -hmm. um so you do have to find that 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 healthy threshold and and the barriers between the professional and personal life um and and I think again the advantage of the fact that and something that I had to learn you know over the years is a very simple concept of you always get another day you know you're not going to make a miracle 
you know, every single day. You do get another day to work on this or to work on that and, and to sort of progress. Sometimes there can just be that sort of, whether it's a stigma or it's a sort of, a, again, a, a pressure that we put on ourselves that we need to get everything done now, right now, as quickly as possible. And mm. the reality is it's not possible, you know. You know, things. some things will take the time that they're going to take. Um, and, and so we just need to be patient with things. And, and that's the conversations that we have to have with ourselves, that we have to have with staff members, with athletes, with coaches, that, uh, you know, as long as a plan is in place, you know, and, and we're showing progress, that, um, you know, we do need to find a way to separate, uh, you know, the professional and, and the personal life. And, uh, you know, again, you know, let that candle burn as long as it can. Yeah. Well, it's kind of going back to what you said about those internal pressures it's having and linking with that healthy balance is having the healthy amount of pressures that you put in yourself, uh, that you're not keeping yourself available 24 seven, or you're not, you know, yeah, like you're saying, leading to that, that quick burnout. Um, what, what would be the first experience in a, in a professional setting that you yourself, um, has have experienced with anxiety? Oh, look, yeah, I mean, I would say this was, it, it probably happened, you know, before I actually entered the, the professional, um, sporting environment, um, I probably had a, a run of working in a couple of sort of, sort of clinics where, where I sort of experienced, um, you know, some pressures and, and, and some, some instances where, you know, some ethical boundaries for myself or, you know, values that I held were being, were being very challenged mm -hmm. and, um, you know, was being in a sense sort of forced to make decisions or operate in a way that, that didn't really sit well with me. Um, and so going into that environment every single day, it actually started to massively impact my love of, of what I did and what I was doing uh, mm -hmm. to the point where I actually almost wanted to leave the profession. You know, I, I sort of felt that, you know, well, if, if this was just sort of the, the standard operating procedure of, of how, you know, you need to, to function on a day-to-day -day basis within the environment, um, I actually was at that point thinking that I don't think I want anything to do with it. Mm. Uh, and, and so the anxiety of, of going in every single day and focusing more on those pressures than on, you know, the, the person that was sitting in front of me uh, was actually quite uh, mentally debilitating. Um, and so that was probably the first time professionally that I actually felt like the, the pressures and the anxiety uh, were actually having a very detrimental effect on both my sort of mental and physical health. Mm -hmm. uh, but luckily, uh, after leaving the, that particular environment, I was so fortunate to 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 move into an environment uh, at a at a private practice uh, with a team of other physiotherapists and SNCs that was absolutely rejuvenating. Mm -hmm. um, just amazing people uh, that the focus more became on the work rather than the numbers. And all of a sudden, when the focus shifted to that, the numbers just got better anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably a, a time that I went through the worst period in my life professionally from a mental health side of things to one of the best. And that absolutely just sort of launched me in a, in a positive direction to ultimately to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for sharing that, man. And would you say that that period... Uh, being involved in that organization where it was uncertain, was challenging all your beliefs. Was that uh, a time where you felt the most vulnerable or can you think of somewhere where you might've been more vulnerable as, a, as an individual? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was, it, I felt at that time that, uh, you know, I was almost deciding to leave something that I'd put so much time, effort, energy, mm -hmm. financially, uh, I'd put so much into and, and start questioning uh, yourself in that respect. And absolutely. And, and yeah. to be fair, and, and, and it's, it's a very scary thing. It's a very dangerous thing is my whole identity revolved around what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, when I got to a point in time where I thought maybe I won't be doing this anymore, I mm -hmm. sort of lost context of who I was. I didn't know who I was outside of that. Mm 
Mm. Uh, and, and that's sort of, you know, something I would say to anyone, you know, young or old starting the profession or, or, or have been in it for a period of time is, you know, take time, take a step back to evaluate um, your identity of, of who you are, your purpose. Um, and if that only revolves around what you do for a living, that can be a very fragile thing, particularly mm -hmm. when you work in professional sport, where one day you can be on top of the world and the next day things change and uh, you could mm -hmm. be out the door. And, you know, so it's uh, that was, yeah, definitely a, a time in my life where from a vulnerability side of things, um, I was uh, I was very fragile mentally. Yeah, it's a reality at the moment, isn't it? The way that the industry is and um uh, people on the episodes that I've had before, um, a few which I can't remember specifically, which is gonna horrible that I can't do that, but I'll have to just resource back and maybe put in the show notes. But we've talked about because it's been such a, a big topic that's come up so many times, um, about uh, that identity of not just like, for example, athletes, which is a common t uh, speaking point now in, in, in media and everything, um, has become more aware, but it's also now in um practitioners in in high performance sport if your identity is linked to just that if you think that's your purpose as soon as that's removed um you're lost um or if you want to achieve that next goal or that next job or next role uh and you don't think you're going to be happy or satisfied until you achieve that next role uh once you do get it are you actually going to be happy or do you just want the next big thing um, now I forgot what that concept is. That's going to kill me as well. But it's like that idea that if you achieve that next step, uh, are you going to be satisfied? Or do you just want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? And it's just going to eat away at you because you haven't really got that purpose outside of the sport or that outside of the role. Uh, so to find that, whether it be, you know, you're a surf, I don't know what it is, but it's just like something else that you have that you hold on to as, as your, as your purpose. It's huge. Uh, and, and Absolutely. yeah. You take it into, oh, sorry, I'll just add on. You take it into a concept of retirement. Some people retiring. Uh, that's why it can be heavy for people who go through retirement when they just stop. You know, they stop their their job they've done for, for decades uh, and they haven't got their purpose outside of that. Sometimes they can be lost. But other people, they thrive in retirement because they don't just rely on their purpose being their job. That, that That's exactly it. You know, it's, it's there's sort of like this, this, this pillars concept that, that you kind of like you look at is where you sort of look at yourself at, at the top and then you look at the pillars that sort of hold you up in life mm -hmm. and, um, you know, evaluating, you know, if you only have that one pillar there, you know, once that's gone, what's going to happen to the roof, the roof mm -hmm. falls down. But for those individuals that have multiple pillars in their life, you know, they can take a hit or two and, and their roof still stays up. It still stays strong. Yeah. And so, during that period of my life, I had one pillar, you know, I had myself and myself was being held up by what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that'd probably be my biggest piece of advice. Unsolicited advice is, um, you know, if you're in that circumstance, you know, you know, make sure you've got good substance in your life. You know, mm -hmm. you've got a lot of things in your life that, um, you know, hold you up and, and, and keep you strong. Mm -hmm. No, perfect, mate. Great advice, and and thank you very much for sharing that. Um, now, just we'll just have to to wrap up now because I'm conscious of time, and I don't want to take you too much longer. Uh, but what what's next for you, uh, mate? What's next for yourself? Obviously, you've got the team. You're in mid season now, uh, but you what what's going on next? Yeah, look, I, yeah, obviously, like 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 you said, we've got the uh, we've got sort of the the rest of the season to go. So you know, that's definitely obviously the hundred percent the focus to sort of. Uh, to sort of finish off strong and, and sort of continue with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, expecting, um, you know, expecting our first daughter in June. So uh, oh, congrats, mate. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So how good that'll, yeah. So that's definitely going to be uh, my biggest achievement personally, professionally, everything in life. So yeah, that that's definitely uh that's definitely huge and, and super excited for that. So um yeah, that's that's the focus pretty quickly. Um but yeah, obviously getting getting a soccer ball to her feet is another next focus is important, <laughs> surely. 
I don't know. Having been involved in football for so long, I don't know. I might give her a bit more variety in that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, uh, yeah, you know, if that's the way she wants to ultimately go, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, other than that, um, you know, obviously just continuing to grow and, and to, 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 to sort of work my craft. Um, you know, during during the COVID time, I started to sort of sort of create a bit of a performance therapy, performance coaching uh, company, uh, Marquee. So uh, sort of put a little bit more sort of time and attention into sort of growing that. So, um, yeah, look, there's there's a few things in the pipeline, but uh, definitely the, the little one in June is going to, to, to be the big one. Yeah, perfect, mate. Good. And where, where's the best for people to reach out to you if people want to get some into contact after having I mean, listened to this? Yeah, look, LinkedIn is probably probably the best way. Um, I'm I'm not too massive on on socials otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so LinkedIn, uh, just my name, just Raj Sidhu, uh, is probably the the best way to to get in contact. Perfect. No, I'll attach those all to the show notes, mate. But I'm I could think I could talk to you for another few hours, mate. This has been this has been really really <laughs> enjoyable from from my side. I hope you definitely enjoyed it too, and I. I'm sure everyone that listens into this will obviously get a lot out of it. You've provided some gems with some advice, especially towards the end there about having that extra kind of purpose outside of the sport. Uh, and also what you talked about with the internal and external pressures and differing with those and, and really clarifying with those, because I think a lot of people really struggle having pressures that they put on themselves, uh, whereas they need to wake up and think, actually, this isn't as heavy on me or you know these expectations are they're all by set by me. They're not set by anyone else. I'm doing my job fine but my expectations might be higher than other people. I think a lot of people are in that similar mindset. So, um, mate, appreciate the time. Uh, appreciate you getting up early to have a chat with me. And um, hang on for a minute. We'll have a bit of a chat. But apart from the podcast side of things, that's uh, that's it for the day. So thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sam. Really appreciate uh, you having me on. Easy, man. So thanks to Jazz for jumping on this episode. Mate, really appreciate the time, especially the early morning wake up over in the WA. So I hope the rest of the season goes well for you and the boys. Um, the things you talked about, about your internal pressures compared them to the external pressures, I think that was something that'll, that'll hit home with a lot of people within the industry. But something else that you said towards the end of the session, which we tried to um, focus on, was the, the emphasis of mental health in the high performance field in a in, in a sporting organization whether it be the focus on staff mental health or the the athletes and recognize them as human as well as um as well as athletes and uh and guys on the field so i think that's something that's that is increasing in popularity and increasing in focus within that attention within a high performance field so again i appreciate your insight on that mate and um with everyone else who listened in i appreciate you and giving you the time for for listening to this episode um i thank um team builder for being the main sponsor of this podcast and for stance for providing the music for this episode um and we've got plenty of uh, awesome awesome contacts coming up on the next few episodes so be sure to listen out in the next few weeks but thanks again for listening in and i'll uh, i'll see you in the next episode